everybody, this is Phil Town. And this is Danielle Town. And we're here for the Invested Podcast, where we are doing our very level best to, well, what are we doing our very level best to do? It, <laughs> <laughs> You're trying to teach me about Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger style value investing, where we learn about how to find wonderful companies with durable, intrinsic, competitive advantages, with great missions in the world, Man. and we buy them at a low, cheap price. I love it. Yeah. That was really good. That was really good. That's what we're doing in this podcast. That is what we're doing. And so <laughs> buckle your seatbelt, buckos, because here we go again. We're going <laughs> to dive into owner earnings for sure this time. We've been, All right, you we've guys. been wandering around in the woods, and as we do, and we've decided we are going to do owner earnings finally done. Today. Now, for those of you who have never heard of owner earnings and are going, oh, God, what the heck did I just click on? I'm going to turn this thing off. This is from our book, Invested, How Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger Taught Me to Master My Mind, My Emotions, and My Money with a Little Help from My Dad. Dad, say hi. Hi, I'm her dad. You. Um, so <laughs> in the book, my dad taught me about this method of calculating the cash that a company is creating. And we call it owner earnings because that's what Warren Buffett calls it. So yeah. Warren Buffett invented this method of calculation, really, this formula for figuring out how much cash a company is actually creating. And then from there, he decides how much he wants to pay for the company. And so my dad taught me this, <laughs> this formula or showed it to me. Um, Buffett put it in his... Uh, his letter to shareholders in 1986, is it? Yeah, that 1986 letter. And we've reprinted the section where he defines it on page 193 of Invested. So if you haven't gotten the book, go get the book because it's a great manual to this method that we're about to go through to this formula. And Buffett gives us a very vague formula. It's, it's really on purpose it's almost wrong to call it a formula because it you can't it's not formulaic but we're going to turn it into one yeah so so that's what you did is you turned it into one for me and we put our like you know idiot's guide to buffett's owner earnings formula on page 194 <laughs> and <laughs> you can look at it and you could you could i'm sure find Reasons to think that our formula is not perfect, and I'm I'm going to just agree with you right off the bat. Yeah, exactly. But that's why I, that's why we've gotten so many questions about it because and we want to talk about it on the podcast here because it's you know it's an extrapolation. It's a here's what Buffett said, so here's what we're going to pick to do, and um, and it's a little confusing, and it's a little it's definitely a judgment call and different very smart people have tried to come up with their own formulas for owner earnings um, and have published very long papers on the internet about why they've chosen particular um, accounting, what do you call that, like entries? And like, no, no offense to anybody that's trying to answer this problem about what it, what it really is, the formula for owner earnings. I've, I've read a lot of these and they're just, some of them I know are just wrong. And some of them, <laughs> <laughs> some of them, and I'll explain why, and some of them are so, they're more complicated than what Buffett was saying. So let me read yeah. you real quickly what, it, what he says, because you'll get the feeling right away of what we're talking about. 
Um, and then you're going to want to turn this off. And let me just tell you, yeah. I also don't want to deal with this. We're going to make this workable, but we've got to know it because it's such a good way. I'm going to do it really fast. Those of us who are fast. terrible with numbers to understand a company. Danielle's wincing at this right now, but I'm going to do this I really am. fast. This will not help you. I just want you to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> if we think through these questions, we can gain some insights about what might be called owner earnings. These represent A, reported earnings plus B, depreciation, depletion, amortization, and other certain non-cash charges, such as company ends items one and four, less the average annual amount of capitalized expenditure for plant and equipment, et cetera, that the business requires to fully maintain its long-term competitive position and its unit volume. Wow, you read that really quickly. That, I hope you get the idea, is a little bit hard to parse, that thing. So let's break it down, shall we? Yes. What let's. does it really mean? Okay. So what we've got to do here is we're going to convert um, the very complicated, generally accepted accounting principles, accounting methods called accrual accounting on mm -hmm. all public companies. We are going to revert to what would be called just straight up cash accounting as if you just owned a house you were going to rent. Oh, so kind of the underlying goal here is to move it away from what I, in my mind, call imaginary accounting, which okay. I know accountants would really have a problem oh, with. Oh, yeah, they would hate but, that. Yeah, they would, because I get that it's real. I totally get it. But it just it just reminds me that what they're putting into the books sometimes hasn't actually occurred in real life yet. And also, let me just tell you real quickly where this generally accepted accounting principles have come from. They've come from accountants, public accountants, running into problems with investors complaining that they're not getting the real picture of a corporation, often after the corporation goes bankrupt. And the investors oh. come back with 2020 hindsight and say, how, how could this accounting that you've done possibly give us the true picture of a company when it went bankrupt and it looked like it was okay. And so they've they've put together these over years and years and years and years of going through debacles like WorldCom and Enron and, uh, and other, other less, uh, less newsworthy issues. And they've come up with this pile of rules called generally accepted accounting principles. They've just changed one of them in a way that Buffett is now saying is kind of completely boneheaded and has destroyed the ability of an investor to look at the accounting statements coming off of Berkshire Hathaway and get a meaningful answer. What? Yeah. That's Can how... Can we move away from owner earnings for half a second and talk about that? Yeah. That's where generally accepted accounting principles can, in any given company, be completely wrong and present a completely wrong picture of that corporation. Uh, hold on. Accountants are very smart people. This is where I go into my spiel of people are not stupid. There's some reason that they did this. People are not stupid. These are smart people that did this. And the reason that they did this latest accounting change was that um, they wanted to tell investors the real value of things that the company owns. And so what they said is, now you're going to have to properly take into earnings uh, take into earnings the gains you're making in underlying public companies. So if you own public companies, public companies, so let's say you own 
Let's say you're Berkshire and you own 10 public companies. You so I 16. am a public company and I own other, I own shares in other public companies. Right. Okay. And, and what Berkshire has been doing is it's not been, it's been putting in the, the, the quote, I hate to use this word, quote, value of these shares that you own, which is really just the price of the shares, right? Any given moment. So it's saying, okay, as of the end of the year, at 4 p.m., the last trading day of the year, Coca-Cola uh, stock is at, you know, 50, okay? Uh-huh. And so you own 1,000 shares of Coca-Cola, so we're gonna put into your balance sheet 50 times 1,000, that's the value of your Coca-Cola holding. That's what it used to be? or that's what that's, it used to be. That's how it used to be. Okay. Yeah. Now, they've continued that, but they've I added... I mean, that new... makes sense to me. Sure, it does. But, but, but of course, you're running the risk that on that particular day, there's something weird happened, and it's very high or very low. Yeah. And, you know, we know that the price isn't necessarily the value. Um, and, of course, the private companies that that company also owns, right, maybe own 10 private companies... Those are left at the purchase price that you bought them at, even if they've been there 30 years. Oh, that's weird. Right. And Is in it fact, because it's hard to determine what you could sell a private company for? Not that hard, but it's harder than knowing what you paid for it, right? That's, that's a pretty black and white number. Um, and I guess accountants yeah, don't really want you to... it's not that hard to they determine don't, of a private company. No, I mean, like you could do it. People do it all the time. Right. But I think they might be arguing that receiving that value might be a little tricky because you're not, it's harder to sell a private company. Whereas right. receiving the value of Coca-Cola on the last day of the year would be easy. You just sell off your shares. So maybe on, that's why they're doing it. But here's what they changed. They okay. said, okay, um, now that you have uh, Coca-Cola at 50 and $50,000, right? A thousand shares at 50 at the end of the year. Um, last year, you had a thousand shares and the stock at the end of the year was $40 a share. So, wow, you just made $10 a share. Okay. And we're going to include it in your income. What? Yeah. Wait a second. That's how it used to be or that's, that's how the it change? now is. You see what I just did there? Yeah, you came up with $10 of income that doesn't exist. Exactly. And might go away next week. Yeah. When stock price goes down to 40. But wouldn't that doesn't sound like a change to me if up until now every year they've put the value of that investment at whatever the stock price is, then of course it would go up and down. Sure. On your balance sheet, it'll go up On your up balance and down. sheet. But you're saying the change is that now it's being reported as actual income. Yeah. So let's make it a little different. Uh, let's say your company is making a million dollars in net income before this rule. And now yeah. they imply Now they put in the rule. And further, let's say that you have um, 100,000 shares of Coca-Cola that just on your balance sheet went up by 10 bucks. Yeah. 10 times 100,000 is a million, right? Yeah. So your company has a million dollars in net earnings, just done normal gap accounting, and now the new rule comes in and you have to add in another million dollars of net earnings, right? Now you're not yeah. taxed on it, but you gotta put it in there because you're not taxed till you sell, but you gotta put it in your earnings. It's gotta come through your paperwork. You just changed your net income by double. 
Totally. And, and if you didn't know what you're looking at as an investor, you'd look at this and go, my gosh, what just happened to that company? They're doing great. Totally. Right? Or what would it be if the stock went from 50 last year to 40 this year, 100,000 shares, $10 a share, is negative a million dollars. You have a million dollars in net earnings under normal accounting rules, and now your earnings are zero. So then you'd be looking at this as an investor and you'd go, well, last year they made 800,000. This year they made zero. They're, they're falling apart. I yeah. got to get out of here. In other All words, right, so Buffett is basically saying that because Berkshire has so much of its net worth in, uh, or so much of its assets in stocks that are publicly traded, that mm -hmm. its quarterly reporting and annual reporting on its earnings are now meaningless because of the fluctuations of stock prices, which are not gonna be realized in actual earnings in any way, shape, or form. Now, if ever, he may not ever sell these things. And so you're getting earnings that don't exist and you're artificially inflating uh, the earnings of Berkshire or the, com the we go through a 50% drop in the price like Coca-Cola and everything in Berkshire went through you know, 10 years ago and all of a sudden you've wiped out all their earnings and now you're negative your negative uh, earnings yeah total uh, train wreck so what's the what's the what's the argument for that change there's there is one there is and the most of the companies that have a large amount of public stocks are investment banking companies and um and they they i think the gap accounting is saying you really need to take into consideration since your main job and your main purpose in life is oh sure you know the ups and downs of the stock market, you need to be putting these things into your earnings rather than just your sure. balance sheet. Sure, it's essentially the opposite argument that until this change, they were misreporting their earnings because all they have are these investments in exactly. public companies. Exactly, exactly. That, so that makes a lot of sense. See, see there's, always, there's always a reason. <laughs> right, but each company can be affected differently, which is why, to go yeah. back to own earnings, we have something we can use on a lot of companies that we're going to look at which is not generally accepted accounting principles. In fact, it's not even reported by public companies at all. And this is this idea of owner earnings, all right? And with owner yeah. earnings, what we're gonna do is we're gonna wipe out all of this generally accepted accounting principles stuff, and we're going to put it into a form that's as close to what you would use uh, for accounting for renting a house that you own. If you want to look cool. at the income and expenses of that house, what we're trying to do is figure out how much money should be in my pocket and then look and see if it's there. Right. Yeah. That's really yeah, the yeah. point of the accounting. How much money yeah. is okay. So let's think about a house that we're going to rent, right? You let's say you're going to rent your apartment in Boulder. Mm -hmm. So you receive a certain amount of rent per month. Let's say you're receiving a total of $40,000 a year. Okay. Okay. And you have to subtract expenses that you've got to pay out. Mm -hmm. Now, we don't care about depreciating the apartment over time or any tax expense. We care about right now, we're not even talking about anything related to taxes whatsoever. All we want to know is, how much money should I have at the end of the year? Cash. Without, without taxes. Yeah, without taxes. Without any kind of clever depreciation for reducing my income so I pay less taxes or anything. We're, not, we're, we're, we're getting rid of all that. Okay. And we're gonna do it on a, basically on what kind of cash actually came in. What, what actually arrived here, okay? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so I've got the money that came in 
And then I got the money that I spent paying for, you know, HOA and whatever else I got to pay for. Taxes, uh, property taxes. Let's use let's insurance. use the numbers that we have in our book, if that's okay with you. Oh, okay. So that everything's the same. You got an extra copy um, right there, Andy? <laughs> <laughs> I got one. I do, actually. I got one here. I got one right On here. page 195, our rental house example. Just Somebody so that we're matching and we're making sure that uh, that we're not putting in random new numbers. Oh, man. Somebody got, got my copies right off my bookshelf. Our book right behind you where it should be at all times. There were three back there and they're gone. I mean, this book is in demand, people. I'm telling you, you better get the last copies out of Amazon because they're taking them off my shelf. (laughs) Available on Kindle at all times. (laughs) Yeah, you've got the electronic version. It's right there for you. Is that the one? Were they in your special um, book? Oh, God, I'm losing my words. (laughs) Danielle, I'm going to tell everybody what you've been doing. Danielle has been up nights helping her little sister with my grandchild, Isla. I went on accidental maternity leave, I realized <laughs> today. Is that what you're I was I was thinking about like what I've been doing and I was like, God, I've been on maternity leave. And then I thought, wait, that's not right. I didn't have a child. Oh, but I, I kind of did. You kind of did, um, kind of up all night I, with him. Yeah, so I have a niece, and Dad has a granddaughter. Oh, I think so we've said sweet. that on the podcast already, so probably. Very strong, too. Very strong. Super and strong. And I've been helping and learning about babies, and um, they require a lot of nighttime care. <laughs> <laughs> For all you parents out there, isn't this great to hear this? Uh, there's a certain satisfaction. And then my sister and I look at each other because my dad has moaned so much about all the stuff he had to do to get us to sleep. And every now and then, dad, in the middle of the night, we look at each other and we're like, right now, dad would be complaining about how he had to put us in the car and drive us around for hours. <laughs> and then we really sort of say that. Yeah. So oh, we're like, oh, no. Or like whenever she cries, she hates the car, by the way, dad. So she cries the whole time she's in the car. And a number of times we've been like, dad, that was my secret weapon. (laughs) (laughs) That was the last resort before you start, you know, I don't know what you do after that one. That always worked. That was the final Okay, oh, I'm going for a no, drive. driving in so the car is, is a traumatic experience for oh, everybody geez. involved. No kidding. Huh. Yeah. So, um, right. so yeah, I haven't been sleeping too much at night, but I, I have been getting more sleep than the baby's mom with the rental house, which yeah. I'll just tell you about, Dad. Um, so instead of forty thousand, let's use twenty-eight thousand because that's what we have on page one ninety-five. Fair enough. Twenty-eight thousand. I'm writing that down. Awesome. That's the money that came in. We don't care that it's owed. If we didn't get it, it's not in this number. So this is money we got. Okay. Okay. Everybody understand that one? So it's not a cruel accounting. It's what came in the door. $28,000. Okay, good. Now what? What goes out the door? What goes out the door? So what goes out the door is like uh, maintenance stuff, right? Like. Yeah. What's well, in the book? Look at the book. You... Well, I was trying to give you a general. <laughs> <laughs> you just made me look all over the place for a book. Now read the book. Fine, fine. 
I'm going to quote okay. in the rental house. It's yeah. stuff like the roof shingles and HVAC every 15 years. Yep. The appliances every seven years and exterior painting every five years. Yep. So you make a little fund yeah. to handle these. These are not paid every year, but you have to pay in a pro rata share of that every year in order to have it when it goes bad, right? Yeah. So and that's what part that of your costs expenses. in the rental house is $4,000 per year. 4000 And what else do we have to pay? Well, not much. <laughs> <laughs> well, we screwed up then because we're going to have to pay property taxes of $1,000 and we have to pay insurance of $1,000 and we have to pay for... But those garbage. Ca maintenance capital expenditures. Yeah, th no, those are those are expenses that you pay out. Well, well, it's just I'm sorry accounting to tell you, Dad, here. but in the formula for owner earnings, there is no line for expenses you have to pay out. That's because we start with net income. Right. Well, I'm not starting with net income. That's why you pulled out the book too soon. Oh. Forget the book. Forget the book. Did Okay, don't forget the book. But here's the deal. You're going to start off with revenue. When you're doing this as a house that you own, you would start off with revenue. And the revenue is whatever it is. Um, let's say 40000 And then you have expenses that you have to pay every year. And those oh, expenses... I thought you were saying that you were looking for the income. Okay. Um, no. I'm already... I'm going revenue, then I'm looking for expenses which let's just say for fun are $12,000 worth of stuff for, for whatever reason, including property management, anything you're paying all the way through the year, each month or whatever, um, or once every six months or in any part of the year that's an expense that happens every year, that goes into that. And now you've got 28,000, all right? Now we would consider that- so, Wait a that. second, you're, you're drawing a line between kinds of expenses here. Sure. So can you- say that again like it sounds like you're considering like insurance on the house and paying the property manager as different kinds of expenses than the maintenance capital expenditure category of expenses. absolutely right and they are in a different category and they're in a different category on a public uh, accounting system as well okay so these kinds of expenses these things that that you have to pay out in order to get the revenue right or otherwise yeah. your renter is yeah. going to leave those are called expenses, and those are removed from revenue. And what you're left with is net income before taxes. All right? You're left with net income before you pay taxes. Now, we're not even going to talk about taxes with our little house here that we're renting out, right? So you got net income before taxes, and now you're going to subtract out any of the maintenance expenditures that you have to do. So yes. your pro rata share and of these, these are, maintenance. These are capital expenditures, which are right. different from what you were just describing. Right. But they're for the, this is really key. You guys get this. These are capital expenditures for the purpose of maintaining the business. They're not for growing the business. That would be different in your house, right? You're going to do these things you have to do in order to keep the rent and maybe have the rent come up a little bit with cost of living. Now, if you want to really raise the rent, you might have to put on a second story on the house or you might have to put in a mother-in-law unit over the garage. Those are capital expenditures too. 
but that's designed to increase the rent to grow the company. Mm-hmm. That makes yes. sense. Okay. Yeah, different. Very different, and that is maintenance is stuff you just you have to spend money on just to keep it going. Exactly it going. the same as it's always been. So always, you guys, when you're thinking about this, when you're looking at at a public company, you want to divide maintenance on one side, which is exactly what Danielle just said. You're looking at your house. What do I got to do to keep being able to charge this person rent, right? If it's got a hole in the roof, they're not going to pay their rent. If it does, the washing machine doesn't work, they're not going to pay their rent, they, yeah. right? That If they're not, the garbage isn't being taken out, they're not going to pay. Their, so that's maintenance. Now, above that, we usually don't have expenditures, capital expenditures in rental houses very often for growth. You know, we don't really put on a second story very often. We don't put on a mother-in-law unit, right? They might be illegal where you live. So we don't do that. More or less, the house just stays the way it is. We have maintenance expenditures. Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? Okay. But in public companies, they're trying to grow those companies all the time. So they have two categories of capital expenditures. One is maintenance, and the other is for capital expenditures for growth. And unfortunately, generally accepted accounting principles do not distinguish between those two. They Correct. just pile it in there all in one place and call it PP&E, Purchase of Property and Equipment. But we're still on the rental house. And we're still on the rental house. So we don't care about PP&E. What we care about is we've got $40,000 of revenue. Our expenses are $12,000. We've got $28,000 left over. And then we have maintenance. And what did maintenance come out to be in the book? $4,000. $4,000 year. per year. Right. So we're putting that in for maintenance and we end up and what do we do actually is we put that four thousand in a cookie jar. Yeah, because as as the book says, it's, you know, HVAC every 15 years. You got to be ready to pay it when that 15 year giant bill shows up. So we have twenty four thousand dollars left. Do we have to pay anybody else anything? I'm looking around. I'm thinking, well, all the expenses are paid. The property manager is paid. I've got my money in a cookie jar to replace stuff for maintenance. That's it. That's all yeah. there is. Yeah. So that 24000 that's mine. That is mine. I that is can what the owner has that. earned. That's what the owner's earned. That's my money. I can spend it. <laughs> okay, so that's owner earnings. Now, what Warren has decided to do is try to approximate that level of simplicity. No fancy tax accounting going on here at all. Remember, we haven't paid any taxes. If we keep the 24000 maybe we pay taxes on it. Maybe we don't. I don't know. We're not talking about that. Yeah, got- that helps me as, as I go through this with, with um, public companies. It helps me to remember what I'm going for. I'm going for simplicity. What money has actually come in that if I owned the whole company, I could take home? Right, exactly. And- it's not always easy to figure it out, but that's the goal. And and I, I appreciate that you went through that with um, a rental house example because it really clarifies it. So now it's just a matter of looking at the formula. And, I, and rather than doing that here, you know, and going through it piece by piece, let me just say that we I kind of was a little bit arbitrary in choosing specific lines in the cash flow statement to add or subtract back in uh, to our numbers here. So 
Well, I want you to follow the formula in Invested um, and just walk through that because it's too much to listen to. And understand that this oh, is- Oh, but I, I want to go through it. You do? Yeah, that's that's what all the questions that we're getting are about. Like, why are we doing it that way? Yeah. I mean, the answer is because it's simple. No. Yeah, it is. That's the that's the right answer. So no. what we've decided to do is do something that follows what Buffett says pretty closely. In other words, we start with exactly where he starts with net income. And then we add back in all of this tax accounting stuff called depreciation and amortization. So yeah. that gets added no, back in. No, Everybody you're saying that, that like it's no big deal, but right. that's an, a really major step. Oh. So the the idea here is like, why why on earth? First of all, we start with net income. So that is is a number that, as you pointed out with the rental house, already has a bunch of expenses in there. I mean, They're just different. Imagine what we're going to have to do for owner earnings in the future if they if it, for a company like Berkshire, you've got net income that now includes a bunch of fake net income from the mark to market stocks it owns. Yeah. And now we're going to have to put that back in, which isn't Definitely. part of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see what I mean? That's true. So but I we, I want to go through it. So maybe okay. maybe we 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 cut here and we start next time because I want to explain why we add in depreciation and amortization. I want okay. to go through um, just the logic of it because you're exactly right. This is somewhat of a living, breathing method. And now, yeah, we got to add in the public company earnings part of that. So I'll give you the bottom line on, on kind of the way I, the reason I did it the way I did it. Cause it, it, it gives us a pretty conservative view of owner earnings. If we do it my way, um, it's likely that owner earnings will be about this amount or more. And so it's gonna give us from that a fairly conservative view of the value or the price we could pay for the business. So with that, we'll come back next week and we'll start with, okay, we've got net income. It's got all kinds of artificial tax related stuff in it from generally accepted accounting principles and from accrual accounting methods. And we're gonna get rid of all that. Yeah, exactly. Okay, and good. Let's, let's go through it. Okay. All, All right. right. Until then. Thanks, everybody. Time to go Bye. Play. Bye. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Invested. And if you're not sure how much money you need to retire, which would be something you should know, you may be shocked to discover that chances are you need a whole lot more than you think you do. Head over to investedpodcast.com slash calculator to use our free retirement calculator. It'll show you exactly where you stand and how much you will need to enjoy the lifestyle you want. If you enjoyed this episode, you guys, and you want more information, including show notes and more episodes, just visit us at investedpodcast.com. Everything discussed on this podcast is either my opinion or Danielle's opinion and is not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your investment advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I hope you enjoyed it.